Hello and welcome to Magic Mike's, where knowing is half the battle. This is episode 14, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra from 2009. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. Put on your starter jacket. It's time for Magic Mike's. Love it. Wonderful. Perfect. I, you know, I would have loved if uh, G.I. Joe uh, Duke had a starter jacket. I like thought his name was going like to be his... Joe, but okay, go ahead. Well, I, I think so. Apparently, I was looking on the Wikipedia. So, okay. So this movie, and we'll get to it, I don't know if I liked it or not, uh, but I looked on the Wikipedia just to get the plot summary, and I straight up have no... Like, the, the plot summary, I'm like, there's so much in this movie that's just not in the plot summary. Like, I feel like oh, the really? plot summary is very simple. In the movie, there's, like, so many things that happen, and I'm like, oh, wow, well, okay, I don't know. But I would have loved if Duke had... A starter jacket. Oh, the reason I started bringing up the Wikipedia is that apparently G.I. Joe stands for something. Like, Joe stands for something. It's like an acronym or something. Oh, weird. What starter jacket would Channing Tatum have had if he was wearing one in this movie? I'm thinking just like, a, you know, repping that Coach Carter High School starter jacket. Oh. I was thinking he has to go with, like, Dallas Cowboys, right? Like, America's team. Mmm. That's what I was thinking. Global Integrated Joint Operating Entity. Okay. That's what this is actually called. Like, I guess back in the days, like, they just called, like, when G.I. Joe was, you know, the action figures and, like, yeah. was sort of propaganda to get young boys to want to join the military, I think they just called people who signed up Joes. Like, they were just, you know, like, America's guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, but exactly. I like think the average for Joe. this movie, that's sort of like a rebranding. It's the Global Integrated Joint Operating Entity. That's, yeah, that that makes sense, I guess. I feel like there was some context that I needed for this movie. I mean, not really, but kind of. Like, I was never... Were you ever a big G.I. Joe guy? Yes. So, what, growing up, okay. I was a big G.I. Joe guy. I think... I was thinking about this, actually, while watching this movie. I feel like the toys that you're into as a kid are partly you, but also kind of like whatever your parent buys you. Exactly. Like, I don't know if I had known about G.I. Joe. Like, I don't remember friends really being in a G.I. Joe, but I think my dad liked them or something or because he kind of sort of collected action figures to like you know to sell and repurpose or whatever like i think i was just in that world okay but I, yeah i definitely had it and i remember when i was like five or six there was like a 75th anniversary or something of gi joe and there was like this naval aircraft carrier that we went to like parked in like a bay somewhere nearby okay and like we got this like collective you know like a t-shirt that I my the one that my dad has I can still wear that got this like action figure collector set like it was cool like I remember that's cool I don't remember anything about it other than seeing the aircraft carrier being like as like a five year old be like oh wow this is big yeah exactly like when you're a little kid like anything that's huge like that it's it's pretty cool yeah no I I don't think I ever had GI Joes at all and like I didn't like I don't know the story I don't know the comics like it was just something that and like my you know my grandfather was in the navy. So, like, it wouldn't be, like, out of place if I would have had them, but, like, I don't think I did. I just don't think I cared or something. Well, on our most recent, not our most, I guess, I guess there's another episode since then, but two episodes ago of Too Fast, Too Forever, the one we just recorded yeah. with Christian Larson, he runs, or he used to run, or sometimes runs in Brooklyn, a Spoons, Tunes, and Booze morning where, like, you go there, you have unlimited cereal, you watch cartoons, like, you can order boozy drinks. Oh, that's and cool. that one of, like, I think the, the cornerstone, the hall, the hallmark, the showcase cartoons is G.I. Joe. Because I don't know that every episode is good, but I think that some of the classic ones are, like, beloved by people who their idea of a great Saturday morning is, you know, waking up and having cereal and drinking, like, a Bloody Mary or whatever in a movie theater and watching cartoons. Like, yeah. for that subset of, like, people our age and a little bit older, I think the G.I. Joe cartoon 
which I don't know if I ever watched. Is I feel like, like really I watched important. the cartoon. Now that you say that, I feel like I saw the cartoon. I mean, like I was really young, but I, I feel like I was watching that as opposed to playing with the toys. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I remember I had a lot of action figures. Like that was sort of my like toy of choice. So I just had a bunch of GI Joes. Yeah, I don't know. Like I don't think I ever watched the cartoon. I didn't watch these movies when they came out. This is the first time I ever saw this yeah, one. Yeah, same. I so, didn't like it didn't these. stick with me. So this is kind of a uh, not a new look Magic Mike's, but as we're sort of streamlining to. Maybe possibly speed up release dates, who knows, or at least ultimately focus on Too Fast, Too Forever. We're dropping yes. Tatum Tots from the top of the show. We are dropping, because we're not getting a lot of emails, the mailbag from the top of the show. Yep. We still have an email address, magicmikes at cageclub.me. You write an email, we'll read it still. We're going to try to, maybe here, peek behind the curtain, record some more in advance early, and if we get way ahead, maybe release them more often. But... If you if the show becomes an overnight sensation, we get lots of emails, we'll just do a bonus episode. Write in magicmikes at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of Channing, of this movie, of whatever movie, of the podcast. Say hi. We're here. Get used to it. But this movie, I still, like we were talking last night, I don't know if I liked it because there's so much in here that I genuinely love and there's so much in here that I am really bored by and I don't know. For me, I'm definitely not a big action movie guy. You know this to the point where, like, I wasn't even really a fan of John Wick. We've talked about this before. The movies that are just, like, pure action don't do it for me. I have ADD, like, self-inflicted ADD. I get really bored with them if they're just, like, constantly moving. So I found myself drifting off a lot during this movie just because it's, like, it's just so much shit happening all the time. It wasn't my favorite. Like, it's it's not something that I would choose to watch again. I didn't get the story like I was hinting at earlier when I was talking to you. Like, I don't know if I miss a lot of, the like, the background context. It felt like this movie should be an R-rated movie and be more like John Wick, but then was toned down because it's, like, you know, a kid's movie. So it's, like, in this in-between weird place where it's, like, PG-13 but violent, like, ultra-violent for no reason. Yeah, I'm not sure who this is really for. Like, it doesn't feel like... Like, the action figures, like I was saying, was... And I feel like we've, we've had this a lot on podcasts that I've done with Mike. You know, there was an early Cage movie in 1990 called Firebirds and Top Gun, also the same thing, where, like, it's essentially propaganda to get you to join the Air Force or the military or the Navy or this whatever, This doesn't right? seem like that, though, no, right? No, it just feels like an action movie that has, like, a brand associated with it that people yes. know. And it worked, because this... The budget for this is $175 million, which is Jesus crazy. Jesus Yeah, that's Because that's also 10 years ago. So that's like, you know, more now. Yeah. But it made $300 million, And it made enough money that they... Really? Made it made that sequel. much money? Yeah, I think because, like, this has got to play well overseas. You know what I mean? Because, like, like you're saying, everything that you're zoning out to is the stuff that, like, even if you don't speak English, you can sort of enjoy. True. So Fair. they made a yeah. sequel... Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation, I think two years later, yeah. with The Rock. So our boy The Rock from Fast and Furious. I was saying to you last night that I found the best trivia. Like, there's so much trivia on here that are like, this is like reflective of the comics and the action figures and the cartoon. And I'm just like, I don't, okay. Yeah. The greatest trivia that I found was that Channing Tatum told Howard Stern during a radi- radio interview that, quote, I fucking hate this movie. Oh, God. He said he was forced to make the film because he signed a three-picture deal early in his career, and when the movie was offered to him, he wasn't happy with the script, and he asked if there was a way to not do the movie. And he said that if he didn't do the movie, they would sue him. And so he took the movie, and he said he actually thinks the movie itself is pretty okay. Like, he thinks it's not a bad movie. He just hates that he was sort of forced to strong-armed into having to do this movie. Yeah, that's really weird. I mean, like, it seems like it's a role for him. And this is, like, his first, like, really 
big role, right? Like, it's the first time he's in a blockbuster. There's a couple that he's been the star of, but they've been smaller movies. Like, the first Step Up wasn't huge. I mean, it became bigger because it became a franchise. Exactly. Because of him and Jenna. But it's like that and fighting, and I think maybe this, and like, no one saw fighting. No. So, this is like, okay, we saw what you did in that, you know, that war movie. What was that war movie? Not Public Enemies. Yeah, the one, yeah, shit. It was uh, Stop Loss. Like, I feel like... Also with George, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. Also and it feels Gino. like you look and you can act like the sort of like, I guess this, this is kind of like a proto-John Cena type role, right? Where it's like, you've got the look of a military man, you know, the, the ability to act like a military man. Let's build a movie around And a little you. bit of a southern accent, right? He has like a little yeah, bit of a twang. Exactly. So yeah, it's yeah. like, he's like, he's he's cookie cutter for this. Like, he's he he, He's America's sweetheart in, in a sense of like the military man, right? So exactly. It's, it's, and he's handsome. He's handsome, but he's not like overly handsome. He's not like... Brad Pitt or something where it would be like hard to believe, right? Like, yep. George Clooney, like George Clooney's not going to get like a military guy role. He might get like you know I think he's done military movies, but he's always sort of like the general or exactly. The, the he's too and also, handsome. what's cool about this is that he is a leader of sorts. Like, it feels like if we were caught up, like if this was uh, the new movie that just came out, it does sort of feel like this is where his career has been building, and we know, yeah. It's going to go to so many bigger things. He's going to get goofier and weirder and funnier. But it feels like what we've seen so far in the 12 or 13 movies we've covered already feels like it's all kind of building toward this point where it's the down-home country boy, the southern boy, the military man, the leader, the scrappy fighter all coming together to make Duke. Yes, I I absolutely think so. I think that his career was just ascending to this point. And I I thought that he would have actually, like, I didn't know the background story, so that that trivia is really weird. But I thought that he would have been, like, kind of proud of this movie. Like, this is his first, like, it's a blockbuster. So, like, this is a summertime blockbuster movie. It's like he got cast in, like, Jurassic Park or, like, an Avengers. Like, this is big. Like, maybe we didn't like it, but this is, like, a huge movie. What's crazy, though, so, I mean, I guess this is 2009. This is his last movie that made in 2009. The next, I think, giant, giant movie he's going to do is 21 Jump Street in three years. But that's eight movies from now. Between now and then, wow. we're doing Dear John, which I don't know what it's about, but I think it's going to be, based on the dear, based on the title, probably another military movie. No, I think, Rachel, I think it's like a Nicholas Sparks movie. You don't think, I think, I think it's that, but I also think it's like, you know, Dear John letters, like when, oh, when you're you like, break up, when they break up, when your, your, your girlfriend breaks up with you while you're overseas, I think, right? Like, it's like a, uh, oh, I don't want to, you know, I, I can't be away from you or whatever. Like, we gotta, I think that's what a Dear John letter, I think. I we'll thought a Dear out. John we'll letter means somebody died. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe that too? But I think it's a, it's to the, to a guy active in the military. So we'll see. We'll, we'll find out next episode. If he plays another military guy, holy shit, that's like, what, like three or four roles that we've seen like this, so. I, I don't know that he's going to play... Oh, wait, he is in G.I. Joe Retaliation. Okay, cool. But that's in 12 movies. I thought that's 2013. I thought that was earlier. Okay, so we'll he get to that eventually. might have a cameo or something, yeah. Yeah, pro- I think maybe it's a Step Up 2 situation. I yeah. Think that's probably right. But he's in a movie called The Son of No One, which I don't know. The Dilemma, which I think I've heard of, but I don't think was huge. The Eagle, which I don't know. Ten Years, which I don't know. Haywire, which I love, but is a small movie. The Vow. Did we which watch is... Haywire for any reason? I feel like we no. did. I feel like uh, we I did. did for Cinemakers because Soderbergh directed it. The Contenders covered it because it stars Gina Carano, who is Hobbs's partner in Fast and Furious Six. Remember the one who? Yeah, maybe turns you heel? mentioned it during in that context. That's what it probably is. Because yeah. I, I love that movie. But then there's The Vow, which is with Rachel McAdams, my girl. But none of those movies are big. And then it's Twenty One Jump Street, Magic Mike. And then, like, bigger, you know, and that's when he's, like, a superstar. Exactly. But it feels like, even after this movie, being a success, being the lead of an action franchise or the lead of a blockbuster, doesn't get him to that next level 
for another three years. I mean, it happens like that. We've seen actors, like, you know, take a step back. Considering what his acting choices were before this, I think that he was kind of enjoying the, like, indie small movie situation, right? Yeah, and I, I wonder how much of that is him wanting to do them and how much is just, like, these are the movies that you're good at or, like, we don't necessarily trust you. Because, like, I feel like you could kind of look at him, and, I mean, obviously we love him, we have a whole podcast about him, but I think you can look at him especially early on, and be like, I think there's something here. Like, he's got a magnetism, yeah. he's got ability, but it almost feels like he's not refined enough. And I wonder if it was more... Like training. Yeah, like, it was indie directors who were like... And again, I haven't made movies, I don't know, but I sort of get the sense of, like, indie directors being more willing to take a chance on him because you get the sense that he's going to blow up at some point and be huge, and that'll, in retrospect, make your movie big. But he's also... a gettable because Hollywood hasn't been like, oh, he's our guy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, he's not requiring 10 or 15 or $20 million or whatever he gets paid. We can get him for a small budget movie because he's still working on becoming whoever he's going to become. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you're getting like guys on, still on their entry-level contract or something, right? Like Yeah. That's what, the, rookie, the rookie deal, yeah. The rookie deal, yeah. That's what you're getting. The other trivia that I found about this is that Channing Tatum also didn't want to do this movie originally because he felt it glorified war, which feels like there's a weird true. chance to have because he's also done Stop Loss, which I guess Stop Loss didn't glorify war. No, it didn't. It, it was it was more of a like like Hurt Locker type situation. Yeah, you know like what PTSD. I mean? yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he said that uh, his his best friend, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, encouraged him to sign on. He also read the script, and he's like, oh, Wait, I is think, JGL you know, I... really his best friend, like, in real life? That's on... what IMDb says. I don't know. Okay. But he, this curious. is the third movie now. We, this is the 14th yeah. episode I think we're doing, and this is the third time that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's been in a movie with him. It's the final one, unfortunately. There's going to be a short film. We were talking about this last night. There's a short film they do, I think, a year after this, and then there's an Amazon series, Comrade Detective, that I don't know if it's, like, I think it's, like, an ensemble thing, but the two of them are in that, too, and that's in, like... 2017 or something but okay. especially lately there's this and there's uh stop loss and then there was the other one I don't, what was the other one do you remember the other one um fighting was he in that no it was um it was uh, havoc sorry havoc yeah 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 oh right we're little little white boy wannabe yes Mal- malibu's most wanted if you google joseph gordon levitt channing tatum there's a sidebar that comes up it says there have been some epic hollywood bromances through the years but the current men of the hour are joseph gordon levitt and channing tatum who are lending their voices to a new comedy series, Comrade Detective, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I think it's a thing, like, there's a history. Like, EW, Entertainment Weekly, did a history of their bromance when this new series came out. So it's, it's well, a it thing. Well, like like it seems like they were in smaller movies together. I bet they became, like, boys on, like, Havoc. Yeah. And then, like, you do Stop Loss together, which is, like, a little bit bigger movie. And then you have this together. You're like, oh, shit. Like, they kind of blew up together, right? I guess Channing Tatum was a bigger star, but I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is probably considered the better actor. Maybe? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. That's why. Uh, so in this movie, this is why I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt a lot. I'm a big fan. I think that this might have been like the worst casting for him possible. I feel like this is another one where we've done movies like this on this podcast and on Zack Attack and on uh, Boyfriend Material where he I think he was just a G.I. Joe fan. You know, there's trivia. I don't know how true this is. But he saw, he got the, he he realized they got to wear the Cobra Commander mask at the very end of the movie. He's like, oh, shit, like, I want to do that. I feel like it's the kind of thing where if you grew up with this, you're like, oh, I want to be a part of an what honor. I loved as a kid. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I get it. It's like, who would, like, would Chris Pratt turn down the reboot of Jurassic Park? No. Right, exactly. Because you're like, oh, Jurassic Park's fucking classic. People are going to see it no matter what. Like, it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, I get the it. Because the difficult part about this is you're sort of hiding Joseph Gordon-Levitt's really beautiful, handsome movie star face behind a mask for, like, 80% of this movie, right? Yes. Like, there's the flashbacks where you see him as a, as himself, 
But most of this movie, he's just sort of, you know, got this weird voice, and he's bald, and he's, you know, acid-scarred, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, make him gross. He's not, like, pretty like he should be, right? And so it's not, I agree with you, like, you're sort of hiding that, like, it's kind of like a Phantom of the Opera situation, or whatever. But, yeah. But the important thing about this movie is that we get all four things that we track in this movie. We get dancing, we get fighting, obviously. Yep. We get shirtless, and we get stripping. Like, it is, you call it the trifecta. This is the perfect, this is actually the superfecta of Channing Tatum movies. Like, it is. Everything we want of his is in this movie. I know, and we got it, like, and I was I was watching it last night, and I was messaging you, and it was like 30 minutes in. I yeah. was like, I was like, shit, we got it fucking everything. Like, it already happened. <laughs> so he's obviously fighting the entire movie. It's a war movie. There's lots of hand-to-hand fighting, too. He does, like, one-on-one fighting. I think maybe the coolest, one of the coolest fighting was when he was training against Snake Eyes. And he tackles the guy, right? Like, he, yeah. they're, they're doing, like, American Gladiator style with the Q-tips, and he gets knocked down or whatever and throws it away, and then he, like, jumps on the guy and, like, threatens to punch him in the face, and they call it off. And people are like, oh, I've never seen Snake Eyes take a hit before. It's like, yeah, because you haven't seen him face Channing Tatum yet. You know what I mean? Exactly. I thought that was really cool. Like, you were saying that there's a lot of fighting, because there is, like, cause it's it's a war movie, so he's yep. he's obviously, like, fighting the bad guys, like, in a ship and stuff like that. But I'm glad that we saw, like, hand-to-hand fighting combat in the Snake Eyes scene. What did you think of his partner, Marlon Wayans? I think that was also a terrible casting. Mm -hmm. I said this to Rachel as we were watching it. I was like, I felt like this is a really great B-list blockbuster. There was like a bunch of people they could have gotten and made this like a huge blockbuster. And they were like, no, just one step down. Like the real star of this movie is Dennis Quaid, who's not like, you know, a real headlining A-lister. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it's like, because like Channing Tatum wasn't like really famous right now, right? Right. You have him, you have Marlon Wayans, which I'm like, that's an interesting, this, you know, who should, this should have been Tyrese. I can see that. I can also, I can, you know, in terms of Marvel, you know, everything now, like this is after Iron Man, but before Marvel is obviously Marvel, but I was thinking Anthony Mackie, who plays Falcon, would be like great in this role. Don Cheadle. So I also think, you know, the the Dennis Quaid role could have been like, if you want to get like somebody bigger, like a Kevin Costner kind of guy, because he's not, you know, that sort of elder statesman. Like there's, there's, there's sort of, Mr. Nobody, right. The B list, sort of the, you know, poor man's version of whoever, right? So that's what it felt like a lot of this casting was. It felt like that to me, but I think that they knew that the name was going to carry the movie so much heavier than oh, yeah. we than we expected. I think that's also why, you know, similarly, I guess you can have a movie like Power Rangers, which is another thing that I was obsessed with as a kid. Yeah. When that movie came out, I don't think there's anybody of significance in that. No. It was just like, oh, the brand name is so strong that we can have a bunch of young actors, young kids and not pay them a lot, but give them this break. The Pink Ranger in that went on now is now Jasmine and she's going to be in the new Charlie's Angels movie. Oh, that's like cool. that kind of propelled her to be, you know, a superstar, you know, in a sense, or like a sort of on that path. Yeah, she's she's on the Channing path right now. Like, yeah, yeah, she's coming up. Shout out Naomi Scott. She's really good in both of those movies. Um, when you have a brand as strong as G.I. Joe or Power Rangers or whatever, if you have the money, you can get sort of bigger names. Like, I think their star is on the rise for sure. But at the same time, you don't have to spend a lot of money on someone who I think you don't so. need a box office draw. I think that that's what I think that that's exactly what this was. This isn't like you're not starting from scratch. Like if they were trying to build a new franchise, they would need uh, Iron Man. They would need yep. you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like a guy that like is like, oh wow, he's a serious actor. Bring this guy in. In the flashbacks, Channing Tatum is the commander or whatever the sergeant, whatever of yes. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's army. His like his battalion. Yes, Channing Tatum is dating. Sienna Miller, who yes. is, I guess, I think, apparently most known for this, 
but also she's an American Sniper, she's in Burnt, she's in The Lost City of Z. Like she's been in big stuff. But in the flashback, we have Channing and her dancing, which is, you know, him and his yes. like military nines, which is great. And he has like every award ever. Did you see his chest? Like he had like yeah. panels and panels of awards. That's how, you know, G.I. Joe recruited him essentially, right? Because he's he's the best of the best. No, I, but G.I. Joe doesn't recruit him in this movie. He kind of like strong arms them into being in G.I. Joe. Remember? That's like the whole joke. That's a yeah, through he's line. Yeah, he's in the right place at the right time, I guess, to sort of meet them. And then he's like, well, I know I know Baroness, so you gotta keep me around. They're like, alright. Yeah. I thought it was a little convenient, and I want to get your take, that he sits down with Sienna Miller, and he's proposing to her, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt strolls up, and he's like, say yes, this guy's an American hero. And she's like, oh, little brother. And I'm like, oh, like, what? Come on. Like, it feels like <laughs> these two guys, like, the basically, aside from the guy from The Leftovers, Christopher Eccleston, yes. who is the, the main military weapons guy in this movie, yes. the two faces of Cobra in this movie are brother and sister. I was like, come on. Like, that's... I kind of get it, but it feels lazy. It feels lazy. It feels very, very lazy. Harkening back to a Zeph movie, did this not feel a little dead ghost brothery to you with Zeph and, and little Franco? Like sure. Now that yeah. I think about it, I think the relationship between Channing and Joseph Gordon-Lovett feels a little little Franco, Zeph, because like Zeph's the big one, and it's funny that we do both of these, and they both have like a, a BFF that they like did a bunch of movies with. And I'm going to take that one step further. What I think is also kind of cool and interesting is that as Zeph evolves... He becomes friends with Seth Rogen, right? And as Channing evolves, <laughs> he, he becomes, becomes friends with Jonah Hill. So, <laughs> who are who are friends? So, yeah. yeah, it's like very, very close. You're right. That that makes a lot of sense, man. Wonderful. This is sort of has something to do with what we we're talking about now. But I'm just reading through my notes, and there are a couple terrible remixes of songs in this movie. When they're <sighs> in that training montage, there's that Bang a Gong remix where it's like they're like rapping over it, and I was like, I don't know, like this cool '70s T-Rex song. It's just like this is a weird remix. And then in the closing credits, not that I love the Black Eyed Peas, like I feel like that firmly dates this in the 2000s. Yeah. But to have a remix, like a weird remix of one of their songs is like, you know, a hat on a hat. It's just like, oh boy, like this is firmly like in 2009. But this is that thing where it's like, you know what? I really think the audience for this movie was people that are just like a little bit older than us. I think it was probably like late 30s to like mid 50s now or or like even older like our dad's generations yeah and then like to kids that like like our dads like you were saying you know bought them the toys and brought them up with the cartoon later and like i think that that's who this was for yeah i feel like this is a tough ask of people who were 20 21 22 like we were when this came out like there's you're kind of missing the sweet spot there like it feels like it should be a movie for us but it's it's not but you know what though is you have to think that they're factoring in that the people that were older than us might have kids now and that they yeah. might be bringing their kids to this movie. Well, it worked. It made $300 million. So. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. And you release a new batch of toys. You know what I mean? So, like, you would hit a sweet spot where, like, the people that were, like, 30, 35 when this movie came out might have already been starting families and they're like, oh, there's a new G.I. Joe coming out. I remember when my dad took me to go see G.I. Joe and then you have, like, grandfather 
son, grandson, all going yeah, to see me, the movie. Let me buy the toys for my kids so they exactly. know what's going on. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a marketing ploy more than anything, and they timed it really well. I was also thinking about how happy my because I think my dad has seen. I think he owns these two movies, the, the two G.I. Joe. Because I mean, he God. just loves like he loves the properties that he loves, and just like as, as a champion of them. And that's fine. Yeah. He also loves Double Bubble, uh, the chewing gum, and that's in this movie twice. I know. And I was just like I can't I... imagine how happy he must have been when he saw this movie and like saw his favorite bubble gum, you know, as like a plot device. I was like, that's weird, but I'm sure he was like, oh, like this is a movie made for me. It, it, yeah, I was really sad that they didn't go with Bazooka Joe, by the way. Oh, yeah, that seems like a slam dunk. Right? I was like, how the fuck do you go double bubble over Bazooka Joe in a G.I. Joe movie? Like, And like Archie, could, like the comics in it, whatever. So there's another flashback where we get the... Or I guess it's not a flashback. There's another scene where we get the rest of the Superfecta where Channing... And this is, I feel like, how we always say we're going to get the two. He takes his shirt off in front of the camera... To work out and do the bench press. Yes. And this is where Marlon Williams <laughs> yes. is hitting on Rachel Nichols, uh, who plays Scarlet, and just yeah. like shamelessly like, oh boy. Because that's right around the half an hour mark where he just like takes his tank top off and you're like, oh, there we go. We'd already seen him dance. We'd already seen him fight. And here, it's like, oh boy, all four things very quickly. Yeah, it was like, boom, boom, boom. It was like 30 minutes into the movie, we got all of them. Not to divert this, but I think that my problem with Marlon Marlon Wayne's character is that he's playing like a super soldier, but he's also playing like the dumb one. Yeah. And like, you can't be like an expert sniper and like a pro fighter and well, all. he's he's Tyrese, but he's not. But he's not the muscle, and he's not the and he's not the comedy in the Tyrese sense where he's like the Joker. He's like playing dumb. Like anytime somebody says anything, he's like, "I don't know about that science," and you're like, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah come okay. on, man." I get, but like you're playing like super soldier. You know what I mean? Like you can't be like that dumb. Like you were like he was essentially like in the seals, right? He's like the best of the best, right? Because they're even joking like they yeah. He does that whole like while Channing is doing the fighting. Yep, he's doing that like marksman like which looks like the coolest video game of all time. I agree, yeah. And he gets 19 of the 20 targets. Rachel Nichols is giving him shit because she's got 20 out of 20, and he's like, oh, nobody gets 20 out of 20. She's like, well, I did. And then you look on her tablet, and it's like 99th percentile. So, like, he is, you know, the greatest. Like, he's so good at what he does. I don't know. I get upset in movies, now that I'm thinking more about it, that there was a lot of, like, um, oh, I'm too dumb for that science stuff. You know what I mean? Like, things, and I, maybe that's just because the audience was supposed to be like a lot older because like when they like talk about like the nanobots they're like the nanobots are nanoparticle and and they're like hey man say it in normal speak yeah like do you really not know like did did that not make sense to you like you couldn't put the (laughs) words together like you don't need to know what it means it's just like yeah green stuff that eats metal like that's all you need to know it's like oh that's scary okay done yeah this this could be like magic potion or something it doesn't fucking matter right like it's it could be a it could be a magic spell essentially like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what it is and they're like but they, they, they would be like hey wait a minute say that for me and it's like green stuff that eats metal, and you're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and you're like, but we didn't need to. We you, like we gotta see it happen. Like it doesn't need to be explained. And we did see it happen. Like we seen the very like the first yeah. like, three scenes, like something happens. Yeah. And that's what I I didn't know if these cues were for old people or if these cues were for children. And then I was like, this shouldn't be a children movie. I told Rachel like this is a movie that I'm a very open 
person, right? And, like, I show movies to kids that they probably shouldn't see, like, horror movies and fucking movies with sex and stuff. And I saw this and I was like, <laughs> I don't think kids should watch this movie. There's just, like, a lot of gratuitous killing. The body count, I think, is, like, 186 or something. Like, there's a crazy number of dead bodies in this movie. But it's, it, but it's for, like, no real... Like, you don't have to kill all of these people, right? Like, it, it doesn't feel like any of the deaths, like, have, like, a meaning. And it's not, like, passive ones like we get in The Fast and the Furious, too, where it's, like, you know, you can assume somebody died, but you don't see a body. It's like, no, there's like shot shot body. Yeah, this is Channing Tatum with a gun shooting people. Yeah, and it's so strange. It's like, why would you, I don't know, man. There's a couple scenes in the middle of the movie that are really kind of, I guess, badass Channing Tatum scenes. There's the one where, it's it's a flashback where when they're overseas, this is where Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes evil, essentially. Yeah. Because he is has to clear out this house, and Channing's like, get out of here in a couple of minutes. We called it an airstrike. We're going to be good. I got cover fire, whatever. And the airstrike shows up early, and he goes to run after Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The building blows up. They presume that Gordon-Levitt is dead. Yes. Shannon gets all, you know, like, sort of, like, not shrapnel in the face, but, like, it's all cut up and whatever. And so he goes to the funeral, where they bury him, and, you know, Sienna Miller's there. I don't think he attends the funeral, because I feel like that's the end, because Sienna Miller had said, protect my baby brother. And he's like, you got it, Chief. Like, yeah, he was, that was, like, his one objective. Yeah. I got you, whatever. And so I don't think he goes to the funeral, because he's a, he's ashamed of her, or ashamed of what he did to her, for her, Let whatever. Let her down. Let her down, yeah. But he's in the rain on that motorcycle with the sunglasses. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of doing, like, the, uh, you know, Dom attending a funeral from afar. Right? Yeah, the Letty, like, the Letty funeral. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's watching from the hill. I agree, and I think that he's the best part of this movie. He's, he, like, he's great in it. I think that he's, like, fun. He's, like, he plays, he carries the lead really well. So, like, I think that he does great in this movie, and which is which is what disappoints me about me not liking this movie yeah. so much. Because I'm like, damn, and there's a lot of potential here, but, like, I don't like the storyline. I don't like the other stuff of going on here. So it's like, God, it really brings it down for me. I think the other person that's really good is Snake Eyes, and he doesn't say a single word this entire movie. Exactly, like, I think yeah, he's, he's cool. awesome. But yeah. Do you know what else Snake Eyes is, by the way? I mean, it's a dice thing. I know that. No, no, no. I mean, do you know who else Snake Eyes is? Like, oh, no. I don't look who, who is it. Rachel looked him up, and he's also Darth Maul. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, if you're like trained to like, you know, do hand-to-hand combat, whatever type thing. I was actually listening to a podcast recently because they were talking about how in Star Wars, the guy who played Darth Vader, it wasn't his voice because he's got this weird kind of voice. Yeah. And so they had James Earl Jones be like the, the very menacing, very foreboding. The same thing with Darth Maul. I think this guy doesn't have a great, you know, sort of action star voice. So they brought in Peter Serafinowicz to do the cool, menacing Darth Maul voice. It's sort of the physicality and the great action movements and grace and whatever of both this movie and Phantom Menace but the cool, or like in this movie, lack of dialogue, or in Phantom Menace, the cool sort of menacing, foreboding voice of a different actor, right? So Yeah, and if you know that, doesn't it seem kind of lazy writing to just be like, this guy doesn't talk, right? <laughs> like, if you're like, oh, he is like a, he's not a good like action star voice, and it's like, well, just fucking just make him mute or something. <laughs> so like... there was apparently originally a post-credit scene where he told a joke, and then they were like, oh, we can't do this because like it number one undermines the entire movie like it makes it a joke but b like he doesn't talk and for him to be like the the joke at the end is that he talks it feels i think they were saying like it betrays the character right i don't know it just it would feel weird if this just had like a goofy you know oh, like a dad joke at the end or whatever no it needed it needed like a sphinx moment from gone in 60 seconds i thought that when he killed his brother like the white ninja that he was gonna say something like he was gonna he be was like, just like brother yeah be like I've been waiting or so, you know what I mean? Like, or like, <laughs> yeah. that's for master something like, like nope. 
Nope. No, he just nope. stays silent. Yeah, we're just good with it. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I really can't wait. I just talked about it on The Contenders with Tobin and Eisen. That episode came out, I think, last month sometime, maybe a little bit or before that. But we talked about Jupiter Ascending, which Channing Tatum is in. Okay. And I feel like this is kind of in ways, not like a low-rent Jupiter Ascending, because Jupiter Ascending is, people, people don't like that movie. I love that movie. But there are a couple scenes in this that are sort of crazy action set pieces that I think are truly kind of incredible. And they remind me of wavings in Jupiter Ascending. Like, there's the scene where he's in, like, the super suit. Uh, what do they call it? The, um... I don't remember I what they the call it. There's some it. kind of... Ex- the accelerators or whatever that they have in there that make him, like, sprint really fast. Yes. And he and Marlon Wayans are able to, like, run through the streets and they jump over cars. And, like, it's really cool. That's a very cool scene. I think that what lost me during these action she- scenes... I, there's parts of them that I liked, but I think that they ran two or three action scenes concurrently and them editing it, editing it together to like have them kind of re-meet up. They mm-hmm. don't do it in a way that my brain likes, where Marvel does, right? right? Yeah. Marvel will set it up so that you're converging. You're seeing the convergence of like one side to the other side. This movie was running two or three action scenes that were going in a global convergence, but not like these characters were going to just meet up at the end of this, right? Like you see like the bad guys prepping, the good guys prepping, but then like they fight different guys and they fight different guys. And there's like, it's all split. And you're like, there's too much chaos going on for my brain right now. I mean, this director, Stephen Summers is most known for the mummy and the mummy returns. And I haven't seen those, but the Brendan Fraser ones, right? So it's, I've seen, I've seen the mummy a long, long time ago. And I, I remember really enjoying it. And he also directed Van Helsing, which I just saw because how did this get made covered it. And that is a bonkers movie. Like not I like I saw that good, in not necessarily bad, but it is insane. It's like, well, what if everything? Like, imagine what you know about Dracula and everything, and Frankenstein and yeah. Wolfman and all that. What if it's all in the same place and like there's no rules? It's like what? And it is crazy. So this guy is just kind of over the top ish. Not necessarily a great action director, but makes blockbusters. Like he's a blockbuster director, and I don't know that he has made movies really since he made this movie a couple years ago called Odd Thomas, which was, which I really liked because it's based on uh, Dean Koontz book. And back when I was in high school, like he was one of my favorite authors, like this series, like I really, really liked. And it stars Anton Yelchin, rest in peace. And he's great in it. And he directed that. And that's such a wildly different movie from these, but it feels like he just, he's mostly for the most part, a blockbuster director who really hasn't been working lately. And so I don't know if he's necessarily good at, you know, sort of conveying a story, but I think when the action is working, He's able to capture that on the camera, on screen. Yeah, because I think the action scenes. Work. Back to what you're saying, like I think the action scenes are great, and I think the the chase scene where they're running through the thing could easily be a scene that you would get in Avengers or something like that, and and, and it works well here, and like the characters are great in it. You know, like Channing is a perfect character for this. Even Marlon Wayans, yep. you put him in a suit. I can't really like see him being an idiot, so it's like it's not as bad. But yeah, that that part does work. The action does work. It's just there's a lot of a- the whole movie is action. Right. Yeah. There's like no story. The other thing to keep in mind is that this is a two hour movie, and I think it's probably ten minutes of credits. But like this should have been like an hour thirty, an hour forty. Like there's so yeah. much in here. Like even the action scenes that work in that scene where they're running through the streets of France before trying to stop them from you know destroying nanomiting the Eiffel Tower. Last night I was doing the crossword with Melissa, I was about to, right? I was like, I'm just going to watch the scene, then we can start going. And it was like eight minutes later and it was still in the middle of the scene. I was just like, all right, I got to pause this because like I thought it was going to be like a three or four minute, like, because it's really cool. It's like high energy and then it just keeps going. But it doesn't sustain the energy like a lot of crazy, you know, single shot action scenes or like the best action scenes of all time. It's just like, oh, this is kind of 
tiring a little bit. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's this this is what I felt with it. Yep. It kind of burns me out. Like it's just too much action and it's not there's no lead up either, right? Like you No. You just, just go into go, go, action go. and you and yeah. you're at hundred and fifty like miles an hour like from the jump and it doesn't get faster, so it just feels like it's just too much. It's yeah. a steady pace of, of intense action. The other action scene that reminded me of Jupiter Ascending, and you'll see why when we get to it, is Channing's sort of underwater flying training, where he's like flying through those rings and shooting the rockets. It was pretty cool. Which comes back at the end. Like, they're both talking at the beginning of the movie. You know, Marlon Wayans is talking about how he wants to transfer the Air Force, because he's like this great fighter pilot or whatever, and Channing's giving him shit for it. The two of them, both at the end of the movie, do these like crazy flying maneuvers. Like, Marlon Wayans saves the nanomite warheads or whatever, and then goes up into space and sort of ejects out. Yeah. And Channing does like these like crazy kind of like Luke Skywalker destroying the Death Star, like flying through narrow passageways and stuff like that. And they're both good at what they do, which is cool. I just, going back to what you said earlier, wish that Marlon Wayans had been more competent throughout because it feels like it undermines his badassery at the end where he's like, well, now I gotta, now I gotta be serious about it. The other part, because we're kind of on pace, right? Like the pace of the movie. The thing that really threw me was there's a scene when Snake Eyes is there and they, they have to get through the like the Catherine Zeta-Jones type entrapment or whatever where they have to go through the lasers. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like okay. the floor, you can't touch the yep. floor with more than a quarter. So Snake Eyes is doing a handstand on his fingers, right? He gets to the end and he's like, he's going to have to unprogram the every late <laughs> and he just stabs it and i was like yeah. man like if you would have put that scene at the beginning of this like if you would have said you can't touch more than lasers and like at the end you have to disarm it with like before that it figures it out whatever this joke would have played so much better but yeah. you put it at the end like right against him doing it and it makes it feel like the audience is dumb like, I wouldn't have remembered that or something. I don't know. It, it rubbed me the completely wrong way. And it also felt like you were, like, speeding it up to get to more action. And I was yeah. like, why did we not just, like, set that joke well? Because it would have worked. But you, like, flubbed it. And I was like, how did you flub it? And then not just, like, edit it back to just be before. Because he's not, like, in the other scene. So it's like, just cut this scene and then put the action in the middle. And then by the time he gets to the end, you make the joke with the knife. And he's like, or he could have just done that. And you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's really cool. If it's more of a running thing throughout, yeah. No, it, it doesn't even need to be like a running thing or throughout. Or just set up, or set up in the beginning. Yeah, it just needs to be set up in the beginning to just give you like a, a minute in between seeing him say it and the stabbing of the thing. So it's like, oh, that now that works. It was like a really, I was like, what the fuck did they choose to do this for? I don't get like, you expected like kids to like not remember the joke or something or me not to remember the joke or like, like if, it, if this was firmly a kid's movie, I can see them being like, they have to like kind of shove it down your throat. But it's not because there's like all this gratuitous violence so i'm like i don't know i didn't get it and i was like what the f like it really took me out of the movie i was like why the fuck did they choose to do it this way like i was very upset with this sorry another weird thing that i think and i'm just remembering this now because we're watching it but it, it ties in with the snake eyes character is that like i feel like all the flashbacks to him and his brother growing up or whatever or like you know his rival like yeah i don't why why are these in the movie like why because this is like another 15 minutes you could have saved it's not like they're bad but it just feels like he's not the star like it's not his movie like why are we yeah. seeing these flashbacks i would have liked to replace those with more like joseph gordon lovett channing flashbacks right like, yeah. you need to build their relationship more if you're going to do the reveal. Which, let's talk about that reveal, because I laughed out loud. I That was my favorite part about this movie, and not because it was good. So, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in the mask. They capture Channing Tatum, and they bring him to their ice cave or whatever. Obviously, it's an ice cave, right? It makes perfect Obviously. sense. Yeah. And it seems like, although I guess he's just acting... 
that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't recognize Channing Tatum because he's got the mat. He's got just his face. He's just like, well, who's this guy here or whatever? Channing Tatum, I feel like, should maybe recognize. I guess he thinks his friend is dead. Maybe that's why. But he got. They have Channing laid down on this sort of like dentist chair, essentially. Yeah. With like needles around his head that they're going to torture him. They're going to inject him with nanobites or whatever, and have him or nanomites, and have him, you know, fall under their control. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt takes off his mask, and it's like this grand reveal. Rachel had called it like 20 minutes before that happened. It was like it, it was a very uneventful reveal. For oh no, us. it's it's terrible. Like we know. Yeah. Also, if you think about this, is something I guess it's just like a problem of Amazon. Go ahead. But we we both watch this movie on Amazon Prime, right? And Amazon has its X-ray feature. Where oh it's my like, god! Yeah. Learn more about the scenes or whatever. So if you if you hit like you know on Xbox or whatever, if you hit A or if you hit like you know OK or select or whatever down like on, on Fire, Fire stick, TV like me, yep, yeah, it just brings up like who's in the scene. And so when it's that scene, I pause it to go to the bathroom or whatever, and it has Channing as Duke, it has Joseph Gordon-Levitt as like Rex, and also has Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the Doctor. And it's like if you didn't know that that was him, that reveal has been spoiled by Amazon. Like in in Amazon's <laughs> quest to be helpful, it's like oh well, you know, it's the same thing that I've seen before in subtitles where it's like. You know, there's like this masked man or whatever, and then it just says at the bottom, like, you know, like Rex. It's like, well, uh, uh, oh, yeah, like that. But don't put that in the subtitles. Like, that's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The great thing is, like, when Joseph Gordon Levitt rips off his mask and Channing's reaction, and, like, I think it's just because it's so telegraphed, like, you know, like Rachel calling it earlier or whatever, but, like, he's just like, you son of a bitch, we buried you. And it's just, like, <laughs> supposed to be this overreaction with no stakes. Because, like, of course, of course that's Joseph Gordon Levitt. Like, yeah. the, the voice, it doesn't sound like him, but it's kind of got the intonation and the face. You know, you don't see a lot of it, but what you can see is, like, still him. Who else is it going to be in this grand reveal other than his best friend? And like, I was just like, oh boy, like this, this feels like one of the worst moments that we've seen in a Channing Tatum movie so far. Not necessarily his fault, but also he doesn't sell it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it because it's like, like, I was like, come on, man. Like, this has to be, it's so incomprehensible that it's his best friend. He's with his sister. And, like, she obviously doesn't know. And it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, how did you set up the bad guy to, like, pretend like he doesn't know his sister? Like, that's why I was like, I was like, it can't be that easy. And then I was like, why would they do all this other dumb shit? Like, wouldn't yeah. she know it was him? Or, like, couldn't we put her, like, as an underling where she doesn't have as much, like, yeah. FaceTime with her brother? Mm-hmm. I always feel like these things were, like you will always recognize your siblings, right? Like, yep. there will never be a moment where, like, even if my sister was, like, wearing a costume or anything, like, I would know it was her, like, from the jump, you know? Like, yeah. I would never be surprised by her. Like, my parents, my sister, like, anybody that you spent a lot of time with, and apparently they were close, it wasn't like they were, like, separated at birth or anything. There's no fucking way she doesn't recognize him from the jump. Right. Feels like it's supposed to be this, like, meaningful, like, oh my god, and then it doesn't work on any level. It's just... Yeah. And that's supposed to be, that's like the climactic scene in the movie where, like, Channing's gonna go bad, he's gonna become this, like, face of Cobra or whatever, and it's supposed to be this, you know, devastating thing, and nope. Yeah. Just useless. Two other things about the movie that I just want to make a quick note of. I don't like that all movie long Marlon Wayans is hitting on Scarlet because, of course, he is because you got to objectify the girl and you got to sexualize the black man. Like, you know, just can make him like this sort of like goofy, like, you That's know, whatever. Weird. That's weird that you said that. I've never I've never put that in the context in movies, but they kind of do like right? make the, the black character always be trying to get the girl while she's rejecting him. And I think, and I don't, I don't, that this is, I don't mean this to sound racist because I'm not, I don't think this way. I'm just trying to think like why it would be, but I feel like there's a stereotype or there's tropes 
of like the animalistic nature of the black man, where it's like he's he's fighting, he's sexy, you know, just like all of his basic instincts because yeah. he can't be elevated. It's right? very and like feels primal. Like, like he's yeah, and it's and it's horrible. I like I fucking hate it. It's like yeah, why don't we see Channing doing the same thing? You know, like, it, it's weird. He's the country boy. He's the American boy. He he had the girl. He had the all American blonde girl. Right? Like he doesn't need because he just he's of course he's gonna get the girl. But like this, you know, this goofy kind of dumb war hero black guy. He's the gotta be the one who's like oh like me Tarzan you Jane like it just it yeah. feels shitty and what also feels shitty is like when he's about to take off and she kisses him like good luck we're like you don't need like we don't need that like that's no, not a through we didn't line need, that we care about we didn't need the through line of them like being in a relationship like them trying to be in a relationship at all so like why the fuck do we have this like they could have just been like she could have easily been Black Widow right where like Black yeah. Widow doesn't have to like flirt with everyone although she kind of if you, if you go back and you watch the movies like she kind of has a thing for like most of them at some point like she and Hawkeye kind of have a thing she and Hulk have obviously have a thing she and Falcon kind have a little bit of a thing but it's also she's still an independent woman yeah it's tasteful she's not like there to like make out with them so on the on the note of like them making out with everyone Channing Tatum's girlfriend wife or whatever makes out with everyone in this movie and all I could yeah. think of when we got to like the scene where like she kisses Channing Tatum is Letty saying I don't want to taste their saliva <laughs> from Los Bandoleros <laughs> And it made me so happy because, like, it, it's cracked me up like internally, and I was really excited about it. But yeah, I love it. I was like, she just like we see her kiss like one dude, and he gets killed. We see her kiss like the other dude, and it's like okay. And then like immediately after Channing Tatum like meets up with her, and she's like, okay, here now it's our time to make out. It's like you're just making out with everybody in this movie. I'm like yeah. what the fuck? It's uh, again just sort of the sexualization of a woman, just because. That's what she, I mean. She she can't be anything more than that. She's just you know Apparently. she's sexy. She's beautiful. She's got to make out with people. Like she's the in a sense a different sense. She's the Black Widow. She's the one who you know lures them in and then kills them essentially. So yeah. The other quick thing I want to say, and I like the end. And again, I mentioned Top Gun earlier, but one of the the big moves in Top Gun that Tom Cruise pulls, he pulls it twice, is when he's flying and he like pulls straight up and then yes. goes behind the guy. Yep. Like in this movie, Channing is being pursued by a couple of ships or whatever, and he pulls straight up and then they crash into the wall. I was like, oh, that's Top Gun. But instead of like, like it's kind of the military creativeness of Channing Tatum where he's like, I know how to get out of this. But at the same time, he doesn't actually kill the people. Like he just, it's not like he kills, he doesn't shoot them. He leads them, them. yeah, he, he leads just, them to yeah. the wall. Yep. Which is like halfway there, but not fully there. I don't know. I didn't really think of it as an ode to Top Gun, but I, I can imagine so. Maybe not knowingly a, a nod or whatever, but something yeah. in the subconscious, the collective consciousness, whatever. Anything else about this movie that you want to say? But a couple quick things, trivia, yes. and then we got our games to play. What else you want? To, what, else, what else you want to talk about? The guy that is the weapons dealer. Yep. I recognized him from something, okay. and I was telling Rachel I recognize because Rachel's like, "Who is that guy?" And I was like, "I know exactly who it is. Do you know who it is?" And she's like, "Yes, but I don't know why." She looks back. She goes, "Oh, it's the guy from the Leftovers." I recognized him as another character that you should know. Who is it? Well, he is uh, a Doctor Who. He's one of the one no. of the doctors. Keep going. But that's not what I. Why would I know him? I don't know. I tried to learn your ways. I tried to learn your games, but baseball is so bloody boring. What is that? From Gone in sixty seconds. He's the he's the oh. the bad guy in Gone in sixty oh, seconds. Oh, he's the carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, Mike Manzi, who has been on the show, I think, before. Or no, he, I think he has, or he will be, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's got a thing that he thinks the carpenter's name in that movie is the carpenter because it has the word car in it, which I think is very funny. Ah. But yeah, no, that's, yeah. So I had never connected, like, when I saw him here with mm -hmm. the accent, I was like, oh, he is the guy from Gone in 60 Seconds. And Rachel goes, oh, 
no, I recognize him from The Leftovers, and I go, is that the same guy? Because I, without the accent, I didn't recognize him in The Leftovers as the guy from Gone in 60 Seconds. Gotcha. Yeah. So I had never connected they're all the same guy. That was a weird, um, like, you know, actor reveal for me for in sure. this movie. As we're recording this, I'm watching the movie again, and I don't think I really appreciate it until we started talking about it and watching it again, how many people are unknowingly stabbed from behind and killed. <laughs> It's like Splinter Cell or something, right? Like, yeah. everybody's just, like, from behind. Yeah, Snake Eye's brother or whatever, the, the the guy in white, the evil ninja, he stabs someone that we were just talking about, Sienna Miller had just kissed, and he stabs the guy as yep. he dies or whatever. Yeah. And then he's got his, you know, bloody, sort of like Assassin's Creed kind of blade, like his, his wrist blade, and he doesn't wipe it off and just, like, retracts it, what's covered in blood. I'm like, you got it. Dude, you're gonna you're gonna gunk up the insides of that. Like I don't, you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta wipe that off. Yeah, you're gonna clog. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's lots of clotting in there. <laughs> like, yeah. I also liked it. Um, at the end when the white ninja and snake eyes are fighting, they're both like cut everywhere, but nobody's bleeding. Like, I feel like that's how they kept it. Like PG thirteen. Is this oh yeah thirteen? Because that's the other thing. Like on TV, like on Agents of Shield and stuff. Like you can show people getting shot, but you can't show them bleeding. Like you can show, yeah, it, which is crazy. Like you can show the the violent act, but you can't show the repercussions of the violent act, <laughs> yeah. which makes the violent act seem less bad. I know, yeah. So like the like the white ninja like takes his shirt off, right? And he has like all of these like three inch gashes like across his chest and back, but like none of them have any blood in them. It's just like an open wound. And it's like so, it was so strange for me to see that like I was like, why the fuck are none of these guys bleeding? And like the blood stains like on his white shirt were just like very minimal. Like just like right along the cut. Like that's it. Like you yeah. didn't actually bleed at all. Cause like, dude, I poke myself in the finger and I gush everywhere. You know what <laughs> I mean, like, like you're like cooking. You like cut your nail wrong or something. like anything. You know, like it's like what the fuck. So I was like, how are they not bleeding? I wondered if GI Joe trained them to not bleed. Is what I was wondering if they're part of their training was like hyper clotting or something. It again just sort of feels like it's who is this for? Like why? Like, I don't. That's I don't what know. I mean. Yeah. Because it's like if it's for like the dads and stuff, it's like okay, make it bloody. But then it's like you want them to bring their kids, so like we can't show any violence. And but there's so much fucking violence. There's like so many people getting shot and killed that like a little blood like that's where we draw the line it's like whoa whoa yeah we killed 300 people so far but like we can't show this guy bleeding it's a little violent (laughs) yeah i don't know anything else about the movie that you want to talk about no all right i'm done couple couple real quick things so uh scarlet who is rachel nichols who's been in a bunch of things but i don't really know yeah i'm sure you know her she's the the redhead uh emma roberts was considered that role but she turned it down so i I love her in a lot of things yeah I like Emma Roberts a lot. Yeah, big fan. For the Duke role, and I was also thinking, you know, as we're recording this, this is now the summer of Toy Story 4. Keanu Reeves plays Duke Kaboom. That's why I just love having another Duke on screen. Oh, that's cool. Sam Worthington, the star of Avatar in a bunch of movies around this time, was considered for that role, but because of scheduling conflicts with Avatar, I had to turn this movie down, so he couldn't do that. Ah, interesting. Also considered, which I'm so glad that this didn't happen for a few reasons, Matthew Fox, tail end of Lost, you know, Jack from Lost, I know. Uh, he was considered. But also, this is kind of crazy. And again, I guess what they're about to do in a year or two sort of, I guess, prevented this, but also considered Chris Hemsworth, Thor, and Chris Evans, Captain America. Cool. See, it could have been, if if this would have been um, Chris Evans, I think that he couldn't have been Captain America afterwards, right? I don't know. Like, I think it would have been difficult. I mean, he was also, if you think about it, he was Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four. So he did a couple true. action movies before. That was that was before this, but still, Captain America: First Avenger came out. I want to say 2011. So like it was probably started shooting 
you know, as this movie came out. Like, I guess it could have done it, but I don't know. Like, it's... As a dude, like, how cool would it have been that you were, like, Captain America and G.I. And G.I. Joe? Joe. <laughs> That'd have been, like, the most badass thing ever, right? Like, mean, he's already America's ass, as we learned from Avengers Endgame, but... True. Yeah, it, to be, like, the two most patriotic, badass Americans. And yeah, he, and he sure. looks it, too. Did he's, like, yeah. blue-eyed, blonde. Like, it... it it's so it's yeah. fitting it's suiting mm-hmm. so like i would have loved to have seen him be both because i think that would just been like really cool you'd have been like there's a dude that is both gi joe and captain america like that's how cool he is <laughs> all right joe let us watch the trailer for the gi joe rise Ooh. of cobra cool. uh, i just searched rise of cobra trailer on youtube i'm gonna put the link for you in here cool this is from 2000 or five years ago five years ago so i guess well after but it's gi joe rise of cobra 2009 yeah, official trailer uploaded it later channing sometime. tatum Movie HD. Go ahead. Whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one, play. Okay. PG-13. Yeah, like, like I guessed. Strong sequences of action violence. For sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Underwater already. I feel like that's a weird place to start because this movie is not really underwater. You know what I mean? Desert. Yeah. When I'm finished. We see the carpenter... It's focused on the villains early. Like this is, I guess, because it is the rise of Cobra, right? So yeah. Rocket coming out of the ice pack. Oh, so they show you them shooting off the nanobot rockets. And the Eiffel Tower. Oh shit! They show the one hitting the Eiffel Tower. God. Yeah. Fuck the trailer. Even from the trailer, you know what the what the weapon can do, right? So it's like yeah. You don't need to dumb down your tech for the audience because they already know the power of this from the trailer. Yeah, I guess. And now a minute into the trailer, we finally get the good guys from the director of the mummy, and then they show the pyramids. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, sh- well played, by the way. Chanting with the uh, on the motorcycle in the rain. Yeah. He wants in. Oh oh. By the way, how shitty does this suit look? Doesn't it look like it's already like out of date? You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, for sure. It's I like love what it does. It looks tech. very bulky. It also looks like heavy as hell to both. Wear as an actor and also use if you're the character. You know? Yes. But the idea of it just looks dated. Sorry. What I what I do like, you know, we're just talking about Chris Evans, is that like the the super serum making the super soldier is basically the suit without the suit. Like they just put the accelerators yeah. into his body. So yeah. Oh, we also thought that like when you know when Channing jumps through that commuter train, he just so happens to jump through the train on both sides where there's no people sitting there. That's like, yes. Oh, convenient. It's of course. of course the train is packed. Except for this one row that he crashes through. Exactly. The GI Joe. GI the Rise of Cobra. This has only just begun. Uh oh. The rockets from the car, from the Hummer. Slow mo. This Which is, is pretty cool. Like, that's super that's cool. so like, badass. Is, yes. Oh, so that apparently that part right there in the 80s when they had like trading cards because of course they did for the Duke character and I guess the Ripcord character there was a card where it was that it was them in front of the flames there so that that's like a throwback uh... to you know because that's like a kind of an iconic like I think that's kind of the nerd boner it's like oh god like they, they're gonna be true to my thing yeah that was cool I mean that was fine. I'm glad was... we didn't watch that anyway. trailer <laughs> yeah um, I'm gonna go to Google now and I'm gonna search Channing Tatum Rise of Cobra nope G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra Channing Tatum nope Channing, nothing. Tatum, Rye, a GI Joe, Rise of Cobra. All right, I'm gonna do. Oh boy. Okay. 
So I, I have spoilers for uh, the next movie because I just did Channing Tatum G.I. Joe and they're all G.I. Joe death, G.I. Joe 2 death, G.I. Joe retaliation <laughs> dies, um, workout action figures. So like, I guess he's going to die in the next movie. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh... that game ruined. <laughs> And the movie. Sorry, listeners. I guess, but you know, we if you if we can't this have nice old things, movie. you can't have nice things either. This is like not a. This isn't a new movie. Oh boy, yeah, no, and I also do not care what happens in Neither do retaliation. I. Neither do I. Don't either. Okay, so we're gonna play the letterbox game now. And this, I was looking last night. This is gonna I be a wild ride. Okay, is there really? Does anybody have it in their top four? There, it's it's more than zero. There are there's at least one person, so we'll get there. So okay, forty thousand people, thirty nine six ninety five have seen it. Do you guess that? No, you don't guess that. So Mad Max Fury. Wait, do I? I think yeah, I ruined you, that game. No, no, no. You tell me. You tell me. Uh, yeah, maybe you did. I did ruin that game. I'm sorry. That's okay. So Mad Max. I have to guess how many by... people want it in the top yes. four now. So I, yeah, okay. So Mad Max Fury Road has been seen by 368,000 people. G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, I said, has been seen by just under 40,000. Has an average score of 2.3. So not great. Yeah, not great. Basically, under 2 is like, oh, this is a trash movie. Yes. So out of those 40,000 people, how many have it in their top four? It's at least one. I will tell you that. There's, It's not zero. Two. Higher. Five. Lower. <laughs> Three. Higher. Four. <laughs> you got it. I was going to guess two from the jump, though. Like, that's what I expected. So here's here's the thing. So of these four people, I'm going to go through all four of their profiles. So the first guy, Sri Sri Bara S, has one movie that he likes, which is the original Spider-Man. And he's got... <laughs> his <laughs> favorite films is just this movie. That's it. So he's he doesn't have a top four. Cobra, he just has and then three one. blank spots. Okay. The next person, I Frankenstein, but everything's spelled wrong, has liked Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and The Man Who Knew Infinity, and his two favorite films are Captain America the Winter Soldier and this movie. So... He has taste. If only Chris Evans had been in this movie, he would, you know, be even more crazy about this, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah. Or maybe if Channing Tatum was Captain America, who knows which way he, which way he swings. Yeah. Okay, so then this person, I'm going to let you know. So there's this guy has rated 49 movies on Letterboxd. 37 of them he's given five stars to. Uh, <laughs> Benedetta Maggi. He's got this movie as his number four, a movie called One Day as his number three. This is not the one we're going to guess. The number the number one movie, his favorite movie is 10 Things I Hate About You. And number two, I'm going to have you guess because you're going to get it instantly. I want to go swimming right now. Let's go swimming right now. Oh, um, fuck. Call me by your name. Yeah, which is totally the same movie as this, right? Like, it's, you know, <laughs> a gay Italian drama and this movie. <laughs> Those, that's really that's really interesting because they could, like, if you had to pick polar opposites of movies. Yeah. I think it's those two. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that's very weird. So who we are going to guess is Harry, Harry Kumar on Letterboxd. Oh, Harold uh, and Kumar. He's liked one movie, which is Annabelle Comes Home which okay. is the new movie that just came out. He has rated zero movies. Uh, he's not following one. No one's following him. But he does have a full top four. Okay. This is his number three movie. So what is not the biggest movie of all time in terms of, the, in terms of this game? Not the biggest of all time, but the prequel to that. Avengers. Which one, though? Uh, Infinity War. Yep, that's his number one favorite movie. Okay. Number four, and this is a real slam dunk if you've been following social media, the movie that Brian just covered in High School Slumber Party. The new Spider-Man? Yep. Spider-Man Homecoming is his number four. Okay. And number two, another action movie that came out last year that stars someone that we have a podcast, not you and I have a podcast about, but the network has a podcast about. An action movie from last year. John Wick 3. Nope. It's, is it a John Wick? Nope. 
an action movie star, someone from action movie from last year. Yep, another. It's a franchise action movie. I think it's the sixth one. Sixth one. Yep. Oh, um, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Fallout. So this guy who doesn't really use Letterboxd's favorite movies are Avengers: Infinity War, Mission Impossible Fallout. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, Spider-Man Homecoming, which this guy is this basically is like, your opposite. Yeah, he's like Zack. Like, 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 that's just only blockbusters. That's all he wants to see, right? Like, yeah. just like that. Like, I just want to mm-hmm. see the biggest, biggest production movies that are made. I mean, I wish, I wish it would have been like Infinity War, Spider-Man Homecoming, this, and Call Me By Your Name. Wouldn't that have been <laughs> Just like, wait, where, how did, what? How did yeah, that, where, where'd that come did, from? How did we get here? Mission Impossible, call me by your name. Next game is Fire-Ass Titles. So this, if this is your first episode of Magic Mike's, oh God. welcome. I don't know how you lasted an yeah. hour into this, but welcome. We are trying to simplify this movie down into the high school musical version, the bare essence of what this movie is. So G.I. Joe is pretty, you know, Rise of Cobra, there's a subtitle, you know, there's a little bit more there, but G.I. Joe is kind of, you know what it is. Like, if you know the, <laughs> if you know the brand, you know what this is. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. How would you fire S titles this? Oh, God. Nanobots. I gotta start right off the top. G.I. Chan. Yeah, that's a good one. So when I was thinking about, like, what I would call it in reference to Channing Tatum, I was thinking, like, C.H.A.N. Like, oh, of, okay, like, yeah. Joe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's yeah. A, it's a little bit of a thinker, but I think written out, it would, it would make more sense. Like, yeah, like, C.H.A.N. You know, we could just take, like, I, I mentioned him earlier, but, you know, his character in this movie is Duke. We could just call it Duke Kaboom. Oh, Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem, also great. Just something like America at War, but like it's not this movie, but it's also this movie. How about Dead Ghost Brother? Okay. Dead Ghost Brother-in-Law. Oh, yes. The White Ninja. Masters. Okay, okay. I'm trying to think of one more struggling a little bit, because I feel like there's so Ooh, much that happens in this movie, I got also one. nothing that happens. Okay, if it's a good one, one, maybe we'll end on this. Backstabbings. I like that. I like that. I think we I think we can end on backstabbings. I don't I can't think of any more. Like I feel like yeah. everything is sort of so blandly generic action <laughs> that it's hard to It is hard, yeah. I'm glad I came I actually had more than I expected I would from the beginning, so yeah. Okay. So let us review now our guesses for shirtless dancing fight and strip for this movie. We got all four, so let's see if we got anything right. Okay. Damn. Okay. Who's gonna win? You said he's gonna be shirtless, he's at home at night. He hears a noise outside. He draws his M15. He's not joking around. This is the beginning of the movie. Assault rifle. He's ready. He looks. Here's something behind a bush. Moves the bush. He's shirtless. Moves the bush with the tip of his gun. He hears a hiss. It's a cobra. He tackles it. So you got to tackle. He doesn't tackle a cobra. He tackles somebody. So Snake four, eyes. Four, that's four that's fucking... Oh, three quarters like, of a point. Three quarters of a point. That's, no, that has to be like point nine. Like, All I'm right, like, fine. Okay. Okay. You, have, you don't have a full point, but you have as close to a full point as we'll allow. Exactly. He wrestles it like Steve Irwin, shirtless, fighting this cobra. Neck snap like you do in a person, but on the cobra. He pythons the cobra. The rest of the time, he fights for the world peace. There's no war in this movie. Well, no, that's wrong. Uh, because he's <laughs> fighting for world peace, he's on TV, raising money for world peace. He's got a telethon going. They're going to do a TV bachelor auction. He's running it. People ask why he's doing it. He gets convinced to do it. The phones are off the hook. People ask, what's your talent? He starts dancing a little bit on TV. They're like, oh, we just hit a million dollars. As he's dancing, it's more sexual, takes his shirt off, throws it, and the phones literally explode. There's world peace. He's like, we can buy all the peace of this money, and that's how it ends. So 0.99, essentially. Yeah, 0.99 repeater. So if you can get one point, you win. Shot in the style of stop loss, a gritty war movie. 
What do kids want to see? Gritty war movies. He's in a homoerotic relationship. A bunch of guys over there. They're all dancing and he takes his shirt off. They give him shit over there, but he's a good-looking dude, so they let him do it. Okay. He's over there dancing for his troops. This is in the Iraq War. They hear an explosion outside. I feel like, I don't know if they're in the Iraq War, but I feel like they go over to the Middle East somewhere. Yeah. So half a point. Not a full point, half a point. Okay, okay. They hear an explosion outside. He puts his shirt on, and he goes... He puts his shirt on, he goes outside to check out what's going on. He's in a fight. This is how the movie starts. A bunch of good friends goofing around. They're drinking 40s and listening to shitty mid-2000s metal. And you said, no, it's Tom Jones's... It's not unusual as a barbershop quartet. And I said, something goes awry. Shannon gets knocked out. He's brought back, injected with metal. Which he doesn't, but somebody else does. So quarter point. I'm closing in, but you're still winning. He becomes a bionic man. He's on Cobra's side. He's a bad guy. He goes from being an American hero, but is then captured by insurgents. He felt so right. He loved this country and went to fight for it. But something goes wrong. I'm no longer a patriot. I need to take down the government from the inside. It's the rise of Tatum. (laughs) You were so close with the, like, metal part and the injections and... Well, I think I just knew Destro. Like, I knew that there was a Cobra guy with a metal on his face, so... Okay. But yeah, I feel like I came close, but I feel like neither neither of us got it right, unfortunately. Tackle to Cobra is close, man. It's not bad. So now let's guess for the next one. Like, as we talked about earlier, the next next movie movie is Dear John, which we think is a Nicholas Sparks movie, probably about war. So, Joe, what are your guesses for dancing, fighting, shirtless, and stripping? It's not a movie about war. Okay. It's a movie about writing letters. Okay. Channing Tatum is commissioned to write letters for other people, much like in Her. And he works from home a lot. He um, writes these letters shirtless in his, uh, you know, office. So he he goes to a coffee shop because he wants to get some work done there because he can't be in his office all day. He takes his laptop with him. Somebody tries to steal it. And he's like, no, that's my bread and butter. Chases him down and just beats the living shit out of okay. this guy. Just like face to a pulp. It's like, it's Tarantino-esque. Okay. Okay. It's, it's graphic. So we have shirtless, we have fighting, we need dancing and stripping. Afterwards, he's so aroused with bloodlust <laughs> that he just walks straight into a brothel and just takes his clothes off. Like he doesn't, he just like announces himself just like with pulling his dick out. Okay. And all the chicks are like, whoa. And he's like, yeah. And then, it, and then he just, like, fucks everyone in the brothel, including okay. the guys. As he's, like, walking out of the door, he, like, he he was wearing a suit. So, like, mm-hmm. as he's, like, walking out of the door, he has, like, the suit jacket over his shoulder. He's clothed now. And you see him walking out of the brothel, and, like, everybody's just, like, passed out from just, like, sexual exhaustion. Chain mm-hmm. Tatum, like, walks to the door, opens it, does, like, a spin. Okay. Like, a quick, like, two-step, and then walks out of the brothel. Okay. That's how he's dancing. And it's at the end of the movie? No. There's, like, that was just, No. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Dear John is a war movie, but okay. it's told in a series of letters. And okay. it's going to be told from so the like perspective. It's yes. like a book on tape. Yes. Okay. It's told from the perspective of his girlfriend, who by the end of the movie will have died. Okay. So he's at war. Like, he's the star, but it's sort of female voiceover narration from her. Okay. I can see and this, so yeah. the movie is both current day him fighting in the war, so it's the fighting like he's just all the standard military stuff like that's the fighting. Let's continue yeah. that. But the flashbacks, like we're gonna see him do that. We're gonna hear the voiceover, and we're gonna have flashbacks to like tender, you know, them shirtless in bed or him shirtless in bed. You know, okay, her with shirtless. a sheet above him, okay. a, a sheet above her breast, like covering her. Okay. And you know, it's like this lovely, like you know, Saturday morning, you know, waking up with your lover, and then you know, in another one, you know, they're gonna have again, sort of like the you know, his seducing, his seduction of her 
You know, he, he's sort of dancing and stripping there. All of my guesses for all of these things are the same, but it just feels right. Like it feels like that kind of guy, the military man. And so as he's telling, yeah. or as she's telling these, you know, letters there, you know, she's like, I'm reflecting back or whatever. But what we don't know until the end of the movie is that she's been writing all these letters from the hospital because she's got cancer and she doesn't want him so to know. So it's the notebook. I know, yeah, basically. But I don't know that okay. because I haven't seen that movie yet. But I know that she dies or something. That there's Alzheimer's? I don't know. We'll okay. find out. Yeah, as you know, the last letter is she says to him, you know, this is going to be my last letter to you because, you know, I, I don't have any longer to live. Or maybe the last letter is like from her sister who writes Channing a letter like, you know, just I just want to let you know Emma's gone. And you just see him crying. He's reading the letter, and that's how the movie ends. On the, in in the really... current timeline, they're never together. All of their interactions and flashbacks, but he just he just breaks down like it's, it's sort of like a, I guess a reverse Dear John, or maybe a Dear John. I don't know. We'll find out. But that's how the movie ends. I would like to imagine that Channing writes her one letter, and it's just Moon Dog's poem, beautiful. <laughs> it's like I look down at my dick, and I I'm remember so what's happy. inside you mm-hmm. twice today. That's yeah. She just gets. She's writing him like all of these sentimental letters, and he just writes her that back. I thought you were gonna say like he just writes one letter, and it's just like a drawing of a dick, like a, like a middle schooler <laughs> would draw. That works too. It takes it takes her like four months to get there because he's like in the middle of the war, and she's like, finally, I get a letter back from my lover, and like her sister's sitting there, she's like, open it, open it. She opens the letter, and just like a giant dick, like just drawing of a dick. Yep. Signed, Chan. Time to nominate this for awards for the Golden G-Strings. Best film, worst film, no. Best of the worst, I feel like it's close, but I feel like maybe Retaliation is going to be better. Like, I feel like this is not quite what we wanted. Most disappointing movie, again, we didn't really have high expectations, so I don't think it's disappointing. Best Channing role? I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, he plays a pretty good role in this. I'm down with this, yeah. Most fun film, no. Best song, no. No. Best soundtrack, no. Best Channing Tatum love story, no. There's, you know, it's, it's just it's an afterthought, really. Yeah. Best dancing scene doesn't compete with Step Up. I'm gonna say no. No. Best shirtless scene, best stripping scene. Again, they're kind of they happen, but it's underwhelming. Yeah, it's it's like exactly what we'd expect. We want something better than that. I'm gonna say best fighting scene. Uh, GI Joe: Rise of Cobra training with Snake Eyes. I agreed. I can take that. That's a good one. Best gun scene? Is there something he does? I guess maybe the, the military training all montage? Guns. It's all guns. Yeah. The whole time. But, I mean, you can if you want for that. I'll say yeah. video game training montage in G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Best death, he does not die. And then the last thing, best or worst non-chanting role, male or female? Anything that we want to oh. nominate here? Anybody else in this movie sort of stand up? I feel like, again, like there could be potential. I sort of want to nominate Snake Eyes, but like he's not going to compete with like Jonah Hill and Jump Street. You know what I mean? But Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Um, yeah, I don't think. I don't think. There's nobody that stands out to me because it's all just like it's so bland for like yeah. what it is. So we have three awards, which is not too bad for this. Best Channing Roll, which is a big one. Best Fighting Scene and Best Gun Scene. So not too bad. Yeah. No, not terrible. So the next movie that we're doing on this podcast, Joe, is... Dear John, like we guess, and then the ones after that are going to be The Son of No One, The Dilemma, and The Eagle. So a couple things. I've, I've never seen any of these movies. Same. So we're going to have brand new Channing Tatum experiences. There's going to get a point where I have seen almost all of the Channing Tatum movies. We are still not there yet. We've got a bunch more that I have yeah. not seen. Same. We're going to get to a point where like we've seen all of them, because it's going to be like uh, 21 Jump Street. Which, and... yeah, but to be fair, it's the reason we're doing the podcast, because they're the movies that we love and we want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So it's the new ones good. are great. 
But this is like the, the mired in the early Zac Efron career where like, I don't know what's happening. Exactly. So we also have another sh- another podcast, Boyfriend Material, where we do the same thing about Ryan Gosling movies. That comes out also every three months. We might speed that up to eventually at some point just to yep. sort of burn through it, get through it. But the big thing to listen to every other Tuesday, and also now a lot of bonus episodes lately, Too Fast, Too Forever, all about the Fast and Furious movies. It's essentially this podcast, but about the Fast and Furious movies. Yes, and way more loosey-goosey. Even more loosey-goosey than this, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this is not very not loosey-goosey, but yeah, for sure over there, like, a lot of arguments about burgers, a lot of arguments about whether oil is one syllable or two, things that really, like, if you don't like those movies, it still does not matter, because, like, in a two-and-a-half-hour episode, we're probably talking about the movie for, like, 45 minutes. At the most. Go check that out. Go check out all the shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. You know, this is also the year of Zac Efron. We've got a couple episodes already. I think we're going to have one more. Yeah. So we've got Zac Attack over there. So If you like Channing, you probably like Zac Efron, too. I mean, who doesn't? Who? I, I, don't, I don't trust anyone who doesn't. Same. Go to cageclub.me, poke around, find all 25 of our shows, the four that you and I do together, Joe, and just write in if you want Magic Mics at cageclub.me. But for all things Magic Mics, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at Cage Club Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, magicmikes at cageclub.me. Also, we made 500 or 1,000 stickers for Magic Mikes because we thought we were going to do, we talked about it a while ago, we thought we were yeah. going to go to that thing where Shannon Tatum was there. We did not go. If you like this podcast or you're listening to this somehow and I you want a whole bunch of stickers, yep. email us. We'll send them out to you. Like, I just have so many stickers. We're not going to do anything with them. Yep. Email magicmikes at cageclub.me. We'll get them out there. So that's just the best way. I will send them to you. Please take our merch. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll be back probably in three months, maybe sooner, but probably in three months for Dear John right here on Magic Mics. You gotta get it on. 